Randy Cantrell here with another episode of Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Back in August, a headline got my attention. It was a report about an NBC News survey that had found that 75% of Americans believed under current leadership, under President Joe Biden, that America's best days were behind her. On or about the same period of time, back in August, Gallup, at news.gallup.com came out with a report and the headline was in the u.s poor life ratings reach record lows gallup has got something called the gallup life evaluation index and it reached its highest number in july of 2022 the index was formed in 2008 And it determined that there is a growing number of Americans who evaluate their lives poorly enough to be considered suffering. Yeah, well, these two things really got my attention. The Gallup article ended saying this dovetailing with economic headwinds is a rising discontentment with u.s moral values which has reached a record high with 50 percent of americans reporting the state of moral values is poor Well, that just sounds like an uplifting episode for a podcast, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm optimistic. So I'm looking at these things and I'm, I'm thinking, I, I know there's anxiety. I know there's divisiveness. I know things I'm not stupid. I'm not crazy, but I can still be optimistic. And I'm not pinning my hopes and my dreams on Washington, D.C. I'm not pinning my hopes and my dreams on who's in the White House or who is not in the White House. That's my choice. You can make other choices. I'm not going to throw rocks at you. I might try to throw some cold water on you. But to each his own. But it it brings up a good question. How do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in the world? What are you pinning your hopes and your dreams and your desires on? If your anxiety is high, where's the remedy? Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. I'm glad you clicked play. If this is the first time you've clicked play, I'm especially glad for you. You're a new customer. You get all the deepest discounts. Does that hack you off like it does me? Oh, you're a new customer. You qualify for this, that, and the other. I had been a customer with an internet provider for over a dozen years. 
and they would come out. I, I, I would get emails. This always fascinated me. This is completely off topic, by the way, like you can't tell. I'd get these emails about these promotions. Okay. I'm a longtime customer. I mean, I'm on their, I'm on their email list and I'm getting, I'm getting these offers. And I'm like, well, and it's in fine print, new, new customers only. And I would call occasionally. I'd just get a wild hair and I'd call. Now you've got to be really committed to make these kind of phone calls because they're just arduous, but I'd make the phone call and I'd get to somebody and say, listen, pull up your record. How long have I been a customer? And they say, oh man, you've been with us a long time. And I said, yeah. And sometimes I get brave enough and I say, have you talked to anybody recently that's been a customer longer than me? Oh man. No, no, Mr. Andy. I, you, you've been a, you've been a good customer for a long time. Listen, I got an email offering something and I know it's for new customers only, but is there any way that you can help me where I can take advantage of that? Well, I'm sorry. We can't, you know, sorry. You know, you've been with us for a dozen years, so we have to really hammer you. But by hammer, the good news is by hammering you and by overcharging you, we're able to offer this very alluring offer to these new people. There's so much about life that just doesn't make sense to me, but I'm still optimistic. (laughs) Go figure. Listen, for a pondering man, I read a couple of headlines and I just kind of glance at a couple of articles and it just compels me to hit the record button. And I so don't operate this way under normal conditions, but because of the things that have been going on in my life and, and I don't know, sometimes the urge just hits and I resisted it for about the last hour or so. And I finally decided, eh, forget it. I'm just going to do it. If it turns out to be a decent show, then I'll release it. And if it's a dud, I'll look at it and think, nah, I'll get it off my chest and then, and nobody will ever be the wiser. That's the great thing about having a microphone and a record button. See, I can talk to myself all I want and I don't, I don't, (laughs) there've not been many times that I've done this to be fair, that I've, I've recorded something and didn't release it. I usually convince myself, ah, you never know, right? I mean, if come on, I'm, I'm, I'm the starfish guy, you know, the parable of the starfish. I've told you that before. Little boy goes out on the beach. There's just thousands of starfish. They've washed ashore. He's out there throwing them back in the ocean one at a time. Old man spots him and says, son, what are you doing? Throwing these starfish back in the ocean. Well, man, look, there are thousands of them out here. There's no, you cannot make a difference. He picks one up, throws it back in the ocean. He says, what made a difference to that one? That's kind of my attitude about releasing podcasts. Frankly, that's my attitude about everything. That may not be in your mind. That may not be practical. I get it. In the, in the business world, I can tell you straight up, it's not profitable as far as, oh, well, we need to scale. See, I'm, I'm, I'm anti, I'm Mr. Anti-scale and I'm not trying, I'm not doing it to be a contrarian. I'm just leaning into who I am. I know some people and they want nothing more than to get up on a stage and be a keynote speaker and talk to a big crowds of people. I could do it. I, it would so not be rewarding for me just wouldn't be rewarding. I, the analogy that I finally came up with about a dozen years or so ago, because people were like, well, well, how would you describe your personality? 
Oh, man alive. I mean, where do you begin? Well, here's what I came up with. See if you can come up with something for yourself. Offer me door number one, door number two. Behind door number one, there's 300 people. There's some brilliant people. There's some even famous people in there. And you can go in there and you're going to spend three hours behind door number one with about 300 people. There's going to be food and snacks and drinks and whatnot. Behind door number two, there are going to be six random. Before you could even finish the proposition, I'm already inside door number two. I don't care who they are. I mean, give me three hours with six people because I'm, I figure I'm going to connect with one or more and I'm going to leave after three hours, knowing those six people really well. And besides I'd be bored stiff and I'd be really uncomfortable behind door number one. So that's me. That may not be you, you, you need to do you. And I need to do me, but I'm, I'm reading these things and I'm looking at this stuff and, and I'm thinking about this stuff and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about all the high anxiety. I'm thinking about how divisive things are. I'm thinking about how much people, how, how many people seem to be relying on what's the fed going to do? What's the interest rate going to do? Oh my, you know, the, the supply chain things we we've got and all of the anxiety and the angst. And I'm wondering where, where are you putting your where are you, who are you betting on here? Where are you putting your confidence? What do you think the solution to any of this stuff is? Well, I'm just going to share with you. I'm going to try to make this brief today. I'm just going to share with you what I'm doing. I don't know about all this other stuff. I just know about my life. So Rhonda and I sat down some months ago and, and I, I made a proposition. I said, what if we just architect the next, let's call it year and a half of our life. What if we architect the next 18 months of our life? Can we sit down and decide this is what we would like the next 18 months of our life to look like? Well, we both agreed that yes, we could do that. Newsflash. We didn't have any conversation about politics. We didn't have any conversations about globalization. I'm not saying that these aren't important issues. Just stay with me. Come on. I'm being practical here. We didn't have any conversations about really about the economy. Even the only real conversation we had about the economy was whatever impact it might have that would directly relate to some of the goals and ambitions that we've got that might fit within that time frame. For instance, do we want to build a house in that time frame? We own some property in a place that we love. Well, we might, we might. And the comment that I made in our conversation and the only one that has any remote tie to the economy was I don't want to pay at the top of the market and I don't want to be up against major supply chain issues that will cause us to over overspend. I don't, I don't want us to be in a position, for instance, if you need appliances, okay, you're going to wait six months and oh, by the way, they're going to be about 30% higher than they normally are. No, would be my answer. I, I wouldn't try to figure it out. I would just say, eh, we'll wait. 
So that was the extent of the conversation that, that had anything to do with anybody other than the two of us. It's our life. We're going to own it lock, stock and smoke and barrel. We're going to be responsible for our own lives and we're working hard to keep it that way. Now we're at a stage of life. You may not be, we are at a stage of life. We're not old, but we're not young and none of us are getting any younger. By the way, you do know that, don't you? And so we're thinking ahead. Okay. How, how do we want our encore life to unfold? Well, let's just get the next 18 months kind of, let's focus on that. And that feels good and it feels right. And it not only buys us some time, but there's a huge, huge benefit. And that's the excitement of planning, the excitement, the anticipation of looking forward to it. But to the point of the Gallup and the NBC results, my feelings about life, I just, I, I care what happens. I care about world events, but they don't dictate my life. I mean, they just, they just don't. I have these circumstances just like you do. Does the economy impact me? Of course it does. I'm out here. I'm buying gasoline. I'm buying groceries. If you're in Texas, I'm paying for energy. Hello, Bill. Man alive. Talk about a thing out of control. I mean, in so many ways, listen, I, I love Texas. And at the same time, I hate, I have this love, hate relationship with Texas. I'm an OU sooner football fan. You do know that unapologetic about it too, by the way, but man alive property taxes, energy cost. It ain't all just great. Okay. So if, if you're looking for Texas to be the utopia, it's not newsflash. There isn't one, you know, you're going to struggle no matter where you are, there is a degree of suffering, no matter what state you live in, no matter what's going on with you. Even if you have a seemingly unlimited bank account, I can promise you those people, they have, there is some rate of suffering in their life as well. But the real question again, let's pull it back. The real question is upon what are we pinning our hopes and desires and how are we going about establishing goals and ambitions and things that we would like to achieve. And are we merely puppets in this whole grand scheme of things? Am I, am I relegated to, I'm going to be held down. I'm going to be suppressed, or I'm potentially going to be given opportunities. If only the right man, if only the right woman is in the white house, then my world will be dramatically better. It will be different. I just can't live that way. I choose not to live that way. I've never chosen to live that way. I'm not going to live that way. I'm happy and I'm proud and I'm grateful. I'm thankful that I live in a Republic. I'm thankful that we live in a democratic Republic in the United States. I'm thankful for the government and I pray as I'm supposed to, I pray for our leaders to lead us in peace, to lead us well mostly to lead us so that we can continue to live our Christian lives the way we, we need to and want to without any government interference. And that's, that's the ongoing prayer, but I'm certainly not sitting here 
waiting for Washington, D.C. to save me, waiting for the Supreme Court, for anybody in any position like that to, to be my Savior. Now, I'm a Christian. I trust God, and I do have a Savior. Yes, I do. Jesus Christ. And he is the Savior for all of us. But I have this daily obligation to behave with some wisdom. It's what we're leaning toward. And we're trying to lean away from our own foolishness. And a big part of that is to architect our own life, bear responsibility for it. Why not? There's no downside. And besides that, it's empowering. It's empowering to know that I can make a choice. I can make a decision. I was thinking some weeks ago, I wasn't being very optimistic. It's, it's very easy to not be optimistic for me. I have to work at optimism. I choose, I choose optimism. And a guy named Martin Siegelman wrote a book a hundred years ago. Okay. Not quite called learned optimism. I remember sitting down with my kids who were elementary school kids at the time. There was some, there was a chapter about kids and, and there was an, an exam kind of a thing, a questionnaire. And I had the kids take it and I've still got the book and I've still got their results that I kept in the book. Um, it's kind of interesting to see. Yes. We're naturally wired. I believe kind of to be one or the other, but we can absolutely learn to be pessimistic and we can equally learn to be optimistic if we choose. And when you stop and think about this logically, so does it make sense for me to pin all my hopes and dreams on Joe Biden or anybody else who's in the white house or to pin my hopes and dreams on man alive? If only she would have gotten it or he would have gotten it, then my, my whole life would be dramatically better. Or is it better for me to just own it? Is it better for me to accept responsibility for it? Is it better for me to choose to be optimistic in my ability to make a wise choice and then move forward? I just don't see the downside. I just don't see the downside to optimism. So Ron and I sit down and we map out the next 18 months or so, and we're not taking anything into account other than ourselves, our abilities and our resources and the resources that we believe we can accumulate, generate, acquire over the course of 18 months at the forefront, at the forefront of our plans is God at the forefront of our plans is not, well, what can we do so that we can just make sure that we're happy? No, at the forefront of our plan is what can we do so that we, as we get older and older and older and older, Lord willing, we live that long so that we are not burdensome to one another, to anybody in the family to friends, to anybody, what can we do so that we can set ourselves up so that we can be very sustainable for as long as we're able full well, knowing that as you get older, some things 
get out of your control. It happens. I have a number of people in my life who are helping aging parents who are suffering various stages of dementia. And some of the stories, I mean, they're, they're just, they're heart wrenching, but I have such admiration for these middle-aged, if you want to call it that these middle-aged children that are, are dealing with that, uh, because you know, mom's mind is slipping, dad's mind is slipping and they are trying to navigate this and through no fault of the parents, these are the cards they're dealt. Now we could, these people could sit back just like many people who might've been in this Gallup survey or the NBC survey. And well, you know, woe is me and the world's, the sky's falling and Washington is, is letting, is letting us down. And if only, you know, these politicians would fix this stuff that ails us. And these people are just assuming daily control because, well, for starters, they can't wait for the Calvary to come. And number two, they know there isn't a Calvary coming. They are the Calvary. And so we just, we got to do what we got to do. And I've got tremendous admiration for the people that just, that have that kind of resolve and just, this is what they do. Just, this is what, this is what they do. It's the right thing to do. They move forward. They just kind of plant their feet and their flag and they just get on with it. I believe in that. I just do. I believe in that. And I believe that it's a message that might be worth sharing and it might be worth telling because I know that so many people are, are wishing and hoping that some miracle will happen. It won't, it won't. God is in control and God continues to give us all breath and sunshine and rain and the things that we need. And he wants us to do the right thing. It's up to us whether we do or not. You've heard me say it before. The same God that created us with the capacity to love him necessarily had to give us the ability to hate him because he wants us to choose. He gives us the ability to choose. He could have created us as robots, but he didn't. He made us as humans who have a mind of our own and an ability to think and decide and do for ourselves, whatever we please to do, we can choose to serve him. We can choose not to, we can also choose where our faith is going to be. We can choose what we're going to believe in. We can choose how we're going to see things. We can choose optimism. We can choose hope or we can choose hopelessness and we can choose suffering and we can choose to think that we're victims and we can choose to live our life with the phrase, if only, ah, if only Trump would have won, ah, if only Hillary would have won, ah, if only Bernie would have gotten a nod, <laughs> you know, who cares? Lord willing, I've got 18 months ahead of me with the immediate plan with my wife, Lord willing, we are able to execute our plans. And if we can't, we can't. We're sitting at lunch the other day and I made a comment to her and I firmly believe it. I said, 
we know that we're going to be able to do Lord willing, what, what we want to do, might it not be the ideal that we're thinking right now? Maybe not, maybe not. Maybe we'll have to make some adjustments. Maybe some things will have to give way to other things. Maybe some things will just have to be jettisoned altogether, but we know we're going to be able to accomplish some semblance of what we hope to accomplish in the next 18 months. Do we know exactly what it's going to look like? Is it exactly going to look like we're planning? Probably not. We're choosing right now to be okay with that. I was watching one of these HGTV shows and the couple, you know, they're having this, I don't know, whatever the remodel. No, it was a home construction thing. And, you know, they've got this budget and they're trying to stay within the budget and something came up and they kind of wanted this and the wife really wanted it. The husband seemed to really want it even more. And they're like, well, where can we save? And, you know, we could save some money here and we could save some money there. And man, the husband was, he, he did not, he was absolutely wanting his cake and eating it too. He did not want to budge on anything. And they're like, well, you know, I mean, this thing that you're wanting, it's, it's going to be thousands of dollars more. And so we just, we need to find some place. I don't want to, I don't want to sacrifice that. And I, I kept looking at this guy and I kept thinking, you know, you talk about a man that just absolutely doesn't get it. Dude, you want something that you didn't want before. It was not in the budget. So either give that up or give something else up, prioritize some things. How about, but it seems to me that there's an awful lot of folks among us who are like him, not willing to do that. We're not willing to negotiate. We're not willing to compromise. And all of us, all of our lives, we've had to do this. We've all had to do this. All of our parents told us that money doesn't grow on trees. They all told us you can't have your cake and eat it too. And we all understood what that meant. You don't always get your way. Build a bridge and get over it. But this cat wasn't wanting to build a bridge and get over it. He wasn't wanting to give an inch. And sometimes we don't either. And sometimes we want to lay blame at Washington or it doesn't matter. Pick your poison. We want to blame somebody else because we can't have it all. I'm choosing to go simple. You know, this we are choosing what I'm calling practical minimalism. We are choosing to just live as practically and as modestly as we can. I'm not trying to figure out, okay, how can I man, how can I spend more plates? How can I juggle more things? How can I better manage all the impositions on my schedule, my time and possessions and everything else. No, I'm, I'm approaching it from a completely different vantage point. And that vantage point is how can I get these things out of my life? <laughs> I don't want to manage more. I would rather have fewer things and then manage those things really, really well. You know, I, 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 I don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of a thing. And then, you know, some old man tells me a hundred years ago, it's fine to put all your eggs in one basket. You just better watch that basket. <laughs> I kind of like that. I'm in a phase of life where I'm like, you know, I'm tired of this many baskets. I don't want this many baskets. Give me one basket. Let's put all of our eggs in that basket. And then let's watch that basket really well. You know, that, that seems to me a way better way to go. And again, it's just a choice. 
just a choice that Rhonda and I are making. That's how we're choosing to handle the growing anxiety. Cause I'm, I'm feeling it too. Come on. We're all feeling it. Now, part of it, what we're feeling is just has to do with getting older and getting to some phase of life where you realize, okay, well, here's the, here's the most pointed way to say it. Do you wait until you're 80 years old? No. If you're thinking about retirement, whatever you think about retirement. And for me, I've told you ad nauseum, I'm not thinking about not working, not making income. I've never had a desire for what people traditionally call retirement. But when you get to be 65, that's considered kind of retirement age. Okay. Well, neither of us is retiring. So there's that, but you do start thinking about some things, the next phase of your life. And you're smart enough by the time you get to be our age, you've dealt with enough older folks to know that if you continue to live, it's going to happen to you too. I was talking to somebody the other day and this place that I love so much over in Arkansas lady up in her eighties, she had lived over there for a good long while, but she needed to sell her home and move back closer to where one of her kids was because she was getting older. Good on her. Good on the kids for doing what they got to do to help take care of mom. And you can think, well, kind of sad on one hand, she's leaving this gorgeous place where she's been for a good while, but it was just time. It was just time. Those stories aren't lost on me and Rhonda. We're, we're thinking about those, those things. We're, and we're like, okay, so we've got this window here right now. It would appear we've got this window that we can make some decisions, but we've also got a plan for the future. And part of the future that we're planning for is we do not want to be a burden to one another. We don't want to be a burden to our family. We don't want to be a burden to friend. We don't want to be a burden to anybody. So how can we create a life that will be as self-sufficient, as self-sustaining as possible? Well, one way that we can do that is we can live a more, a much simpler life, a much simpler life. Listen, it gets down to real practical stuff. We, we are going from a bigger house to a much smaller footprint. And I told Ron, I said, I, I, we've got to go back to the early days of our marriage where you could move and you didn't require a semi. <laughs> and prior to the purge, oh, let me tell you, it, it would have absolutely, it would have taken every square inch of a semi today. Okay. Yeah. I won't. One of those little small box trucks wouldn't do it, but one of those kind of bigger box trucks, we could fit everything we own in one of those. We had kids. We hadn't been able to do that for decades. And the reason isn't just to get on a podcast and brag about it, but the reason is very practical because that makes our lives much more manageable. Again, one basket. There's your eggs. Okay. Well, is it a big basket? Don't need a big basket. How many eggs you got to have? Don't need that many. Now let's just manage that basket really well. 
that's just the approach that we're choosing to take. And in taking that approach, we're choosing to be very optimistic. There is no downside to optimism. I know. I know you'll be disappointed. Got news for you. The Gallup survey is wrong. We're all suffering. Whatever the index number is, I get that it's higher, but I got news for you. The number percentage wise is a hundred, 100% of humans are suffering something. The degree of suffering, I don't know how to quantify it. I know some people that are going through some things that are so, so much more significant than any of my worries or concerns. But that doesn't diminish my worries and my concerns for myself. It makes me tremendously sad that people are going through. I've got there, there, there's a good number of you clicking play on this podcast and a good number of you that don't live in America. You're not pinning your hopes and your dreams on the president of the United States because you don't even live here, but you're suffering something. Some of you, I know because well, we communicate, you email me and I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. And I'd like to hear more from, from you, but I know some of you have got all kinds of anxieties and things that aren't without foundation. They're just not without foundation. You've got genuine things to worry about. I get it. And those of you that are communicating with me, I happen to know for a fact that all of you are working hard to figure it out. You're working hard to endure it. I've had communications with some of you via zoom calls and many of the conversations kind of revolve around the same thing. We, we face what we face and we either overcome it We hope that's an option, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes the only other alternative is to endure it. Just to endure it, to grind it out, to just get through it. It's life. It's the way life works. And yet at the same time, I just am not going to end today's show on a note of pessimism or on a note of being downtrodden and beaten down and defeated and woe is me. No. No, no, no. Can life be better? Of course it can be better. Who's going to be responsible for making your life better? You are. You are. I'm going to help. I'm here. I'm in your ears. Trying to talk you up. We're going to make our own lives better. And it's going to begin in our head. I don't know what the next 18 months hold for me and Rhonda but we're in the throes of working all that out in our head. What does that mean? It means we're already living it. Neuroscience seems to have proven, at least to me, that the minute we make up our mind and the minute we can project and we put ourselves, our bodies, physiologically, our bodies react as though it has already happened. Do you know what this means? This means that we create the future first in our head. Quite often, I don't know about you, but stop and think about it. Quite often, the things that, in fact, I'll go you better. Most often, the things that I've thought about, the things that I've created in my, in my head came to fruition. 
not because I was able to manifest them, not because of this law of attraction, not because I know a secret. I don't believe any of that, but because a made up mind is a powerful thing. A mind made up is a powerful thing. So I'm encouraging you to make up your mind that you're not going to pin your hopes and your dreams on things that you have zero control over. That's a fool's errand. And it's the path toward people who just want to feel like they're victims. And nobody listening to this podcast is cut from that cloth. Was it worth clicking play? I hope so. It was worth hitting record for me. Because I know that there's a significant amount of suffering and pain and anxiety and angst. I'm not saying that we can fix everything that ails us, but I'm saying that we can absolutely make up our mind what we're going to do with it. I was thinking the other day, some circumstance came about and I was kind of immediately thinking about what could go wrong. And I stopped in my tracks and I, I thought, this is stupid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to believe that this is going to go great, that it's going to be just fantastic. And I did. I did. I just made up my mind. It's it's not going to go poorly. It's going to go well. No, it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> well, it's not that it didn't go well. It just it just didn't go at all. But I looked back and I did kind of chuckle just like I am now and I thought, well, I didn't think it was a waste of time. I tell you what I thought. Here was my conclusion. The time that I would have spent worrying and agonizing over it I didn't. I basically saved myself the minutes, the hours, the days, agonizing, worrying, travailing over it because I was just choosing to believe something that was more positive. Turns out nothing bad happened. Nothing good happened. It was just innocuous. But in that moment, I realized that by incorporating the power of a mind made up, a mind made up to think the best, Man, I mean, it, it made the passing of time and the other things that I was involved with much more profitable because I wasn't fixated on, well, this could go wrong and that could go, oh man, you know, what about this and what about that and what about this other? So even if the outcomes don't come to fruition, the time spent is way better. I hope you've had value in spending time with me. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. My name is Randy Kentrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Mm-hmm.